If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to be starting in verse 3, and we'll camp out there for the entirety of this morning. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky paths where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was because the soil was so shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up. And it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. Jumping down to verse 13 now. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will then you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seeds along the path where the word was sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but worries of the life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown in good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times. What was so? Mark chapter 4. Red letter words, the words of Jesus. Words that we have heard so, so many times before. If you've watched any type of uh, uh, Bible videos growing up, if you've seen it played out on flannel graph, if it has been talked about, this parable has been one of them. It's one that we know so well. In fact, I almost think that we may know it a little too well. This is a parable that we've heard since we were a little child, and for some reason, I think we got a misconception of what it's really talking about. And maybe not you, maybe you have it figured out, and maybe I'm the only one, as I was looking over this last week, something caught my eye and said, you know what, I don't don't know that I've really understood this the way that I thought that I did. I mean, we've read it so many times. It's found also in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8. We've, we've taught about it. We've heard it so many times. But I think that as we read this passage today, we not only need to question it, but we also need to allow it to question us. I mean, what is Scripture if it doesn't shape us and form us and guide us? Why are we reading it or even thinking about reading it if we don't believe that it will transform us? And so I'm always encouraging people that as you sit down to read a passage, be willing to ask some simple questions. 
ask things like, what does this say about my life? And, and what is this calling me to? And how do I respond to what, is, to what God is saying through this? Now, the fact is, is that I've read Mark chapter 4 hundreds of times. I've taught through this parable as a youth minister and as a teacher over a dozen times. I've even preached from this specific passage several times. Most recently was June 3rd, 2018. I know all of you remember that. You've cataloged and memorized all my sermons. So you remember, oh yeah, about four and a half years ago, you taught about this. And, and I did, and, and really, I, I think I even missed it then. I think I missed out on what is really going on. And it's, it really boils down to one tiny little verse. One sentence, five words. I want to go back through and read it one more time. Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. And so my question for you this morning is, who is that farmer? Just think about it. Just think. Okay, now that's getting a little too much. Let's stop for just a second. Let's kind of take a diversion because we're, we're getting a little too thick into this. And so what I want to do is I want to change subjects completely differently. And I just want to ask you, um, how many of you in here like grapes? Do we have any grape lovers? Oh, wow, we have a lot of grape lovers. Can I have some volunteers? I need, I need five, six people to come up here. I just need help. Come, come on. I, I see a hand come up. Against, I'm not going to put you in a fridge. Okay, I'm not going to make you run around a scooter. You said you love grapes. I just want to offer you a grape that there's nothing wrong with it. So can somebody come up and help me? I need, there's one. I need somebody else. Come on. Okay, if you have an allergy to grapes, you can't have these. These have been washed. They're, they're clean. There's nothing. These are, look at these. Beautiful grapes. Okay, we have one, two, three, four. Do I have one more? Some, somebody else come up here? Five? Okay. So, I'm not even, these have been washed. All right, here we go. So, just in case, I'm, not, I'm just going to offer you this, and you'll know why later, maybe. Just, there's a cup. Um, just to let you know, Dickies has sponsored this portion of the sermon. Okay. I'll let you know, I, I have a conversation with my family every time we go to Dickies. Because I'm the weird person who says, we don't throw away things that can be used again. I literally have like 500 of these. And my wife says, get them out. Every few months, I have to get them out of the counter and go put them up, hide them somewhere. Because someday, I may need them. And today is that day. So, I'm going to let you pick your own grape. Just, just pluck one off. There you go. Okay. Oh, yo, you want to put it in your cup. Okay. I just want to give you some uh, little-known facts about grapes while we're preparing to, to consume these. Did you know uh, what, what kind of business grapes are in the U.S.? Can you guess how much money is, is, is made from, from grapes? Would you guess a billion dollars? A billion dollars? If you did, you would be wrong. Because the grape industry in the U.S., 162 
billion dollars. $162 billion. I just, I, I love these. While y'all are up here, I just want to make you feel a little more awkward because you're up here. I want to share with you a few useless facts about this. The average person consumes about eight pounds of fresh grapes every year. All right. The oldest known grapevine in North America is about 400 years old, and it's in North Carolina. Okay. It's known as the uh, the, the mother vine, for obvious reasons. So, okay, um, I, if y'all would now, if y'all will all eat your grape. You said you like grapes. These are room temperature grapes. Tell me how you like them. Are they good? It's, I mean, these are juice. Like I'm not, literally, I'm like my mouth is starting to salivate. I'm, this is this is probably two or three pounds of grapes. This is this is heavy stuff, right? These are these are good grapes. There's a seed in it. Oh my goodness. This was not on purpose. I'm, I am the one who orders groceries in the family, and you can call me lazy, and many other things are probably all true. But my idea of grocery shopping is I made a checklist, because why not? That's what I do. Anybody who's cool makes checklists, right? And then I go around the kitchen and see what we're out of, and then I sit in front of the computer and I grocery shop. Well, one time I clicked on grapes. Well, they were out of grapes. So they substituted seeded grapes. I did not know that was a thing. I just assumed that grapes don't have, I had no idea how it happens. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But like, I just assumed that like grapes don't have seeds. We got these, I was like, oh man, these are the biggest, most beautiful grapes ever. And I bit into one and I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? There's like this crunchy little kernel thing inside it. Does anybody want another one? Did anybody did anybody spit out their seed? You swallow yours. Josele, did you know that if you swallow the seeds, you can start growing grapes in your tummy? That's what I was told about watermelons. You want one more up here? You you saved your seed. So you can now you can now go out and plant it. Anybody else want one? You want okay, here we go. Take as much as you want. This thing is getting really, really heavy. These are awesome. And I want you to know, if y'all all had been brave, you could have had a grape too. But you weren't, so you don't. And so I'm not sharing my grapes with you, seeds or not. And so here's a few things that are interesting about grapes. is the fact that 80% of the grapes that are sold in the U.S. are seedless. And in fact, the question has to be begged... When did we start with seedless grapes? Well, actually, believe it or not, they think it goes all the way back to ancient Rome. That it, it could be nearly 2,000 years ago that they started having seedless grapes. It is not the GMO that we think it is today. There's not a bunch of crazy mad scientists. Nature is involved with this. But the question has to be asked, and since y'all are up here and y'all have eaten grapes, I want you to tell me, how do you grow seedless grapes if there are no seeds? Not the leaf. Nope, but, nope. If you plant a grape, there's no seed in it. You're not getting any more grapes out of it. The vine keeps producing. You can take a portion of the vine. It's called propagation, right? And you, you dip it into this this liquid that's part fertilizer that 
uh, helps it grow and it also uh, fights off bacteria and you can plant it in the ground and it can start growing. Or if you're super savvy and you don't have the grapes because you, you swallow them, right? Okay, um, you can take a, a part of the vine and you can cut off the end and then you can shave off a piece of, it seems like almost any other plant and, and graft it in. And so the vine says, I'm a grape, I'm going to make grapes. And the root says, there's something up here that needs water and nutrients. I'm going to send it that way. And they both kind of figure out, so can you have grapes growing off of an apple tree? You can if you graph that, so you need to go home and try that and then bring me some because I want to know what they taste like, okay? You guys can go have a seat. You get to keep your Dickies cup. That is yours as a party favor. Keep it forever. I will sign them later on and offer more if you would like some. So why are we talking about all of this right now and what does this have to do with anything that's going on? So... Grape, seedless grapes can be reproduced naturally, but it's through propagation. I want to read this because you're going to love this, okay? Seedlessness or parthenocarpy occurs once in a while when a natural mutation prevents seeds from maturing and developing called a hard coat. The descendants of this process are genetically identical to the parent, which means they are clones. This works for seedless grapes as well as many others. And just to let you know that when I ask the question, when did this start, we think it goes back to ancient Rome, but there is this guy, a Scottish immigrant named William Thompson, who began to import these grapes into California from Iran and Turkey. And so I don't know if they still call it today. Has anybody heard of the, the phrase Thompson grapes? I, that's... Sarah says she's, she's heard of it before. I just grew up, I just thought they were normal. But there was a time where if you got grapes, you were eating the grapes and you were either spitting out or swallowing the, the seed and now we, we don't have any of that at all. And there's something really beautiful that we could talk about grapes, but I want to get back to this question in Mark. Who is the farmer? Who's the farmer? God's the farmer? Who's the farmer? Who casts out seed? I think, I think the first thing, every commentary, everything I looked at said, well, we are, of course. We're the farmers. We do it all. And I love that. That is great because I do believe that we are a part of the scattering seed process. But I really think we're missing out on something bigger, right? I love the idea that I would be the farmer, right? Because I'm the one who's in control. And the onus is not on me. And in fact, when I was looking back at my notes from 2018, I said, oh, it's great to be the one who scatters the seed because all we have to do is scatter it. If somebody doesn't listen, that's their fault. All we have to do is scatter it. But what if, what if perhaps that we aren't the farmers? What if in this particular case, Jesus is claiming that somebody else is the farmer? If we're going to look at this, we have to look at one really important detail. 
And what's that? If we're going to study the Bible, what do we have to look at? Context. We need to know the context. And this story is really interesting because something wild and crazy happens right before Jesus begins story time. Jesus is going to do something strange and he's going to ask yet another one of his crazy questions. So we back up a few verses and we look in uh, Mark chapter 3 verse 21. I know it's crazy. I know you think that you can't go from chapter to chapter like they're all one story of their own, but it's not true, right? You can go back and look and in verse 21, Jesus' family is on their way to see Jesus because they are going to take charge of him because in their thought, he is out of his mind. That's literally what Mark 3.21 says. They've come to take charge of him because he's out of his mind. Just ten verses later, they make it to the house and Jesus is informed by people there that say, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus asks a crazy question. And he's good at this. He does it all the time. He gets it honestly because his dad did the same thing. Both God and Jesus love to ask these really crazy questions. In fact, several years ago I did a sermon series on crazy questions by God and Jesus. And this is one of those. They say, your brothers and sisters are outside, and you remember what he asks? He says, who are my brothers and sisters? And I just want to be like, what are you thinking? What do you mean? You know. How could you? It's Mary. Jesus, it's Mary. How do you not know? Mary is your mother, and you got a lot of brothers. James is is one of them. But, But listen. Jesus is, is going to ask a really crazy question. Don't you think that's weird? I mean, j- stop for just a second and pretend that we're not in church and we're not reading the Bible and this is not Jesus speaking. And if somebody looks at you and says, who are my mother, who is my mother and who are my brothers, you'd be like, why are you asking me? Like, what are you doing here? What's, what's going on? But, but then even crazier is Jesus is going to answer that question. He says, looking to those around him, he says, here is my mother and here are my brothers. Whoever does does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And then the very next thing, the very next story, I know we go to a new chapter, but don't get lost in this right here. The very next thing is Jesus tells this parable. And he talks about scattering seed. I believe that in the original context, as Jesus was telling this story, Jesus is the farmer. He is the one who's scattering seed. And I think three tells us that. Because he's saying in three, who are are the ones that are my family? The ones who hear what I say and they put it into action. When I scatter seed and they take it up and they grow, that is my family. 
And so I just want you to know that really changes the parable a lot because this whole time as I've taught this, as I've preached this, as I've listened to this, we've always said, oh, I'm the one who's scattering seed. And at some point, yeah, that can happen. But more importantly, at this point, Jesus is the farmer. And you're like, okay, okay, well then, then who am I? And that's a really good question and it all depends it really depends on you who are you if you're not the farmer and so I'll ask you another series of questions that I want you to think about is the love Jesus is giving you is it being multiplied and is it being shared Are you showing mercy like Jesus? Are you sacrificing like Jesus? Are you forgiving others like Jesus? Are you producing a fruit that is 30 or 60? or a hundred times greater than what was thrown into you? Or are you distracted by politics? Are you focused on work, on retirement, on comfort? Are you paralyzed by fear or absorbed into social media? Do you follow a God who turns the other cheek? Or do you fantasize and delight in how people you don't like face difficulties in their life? And when they face those difficulties, do you wish that you were the one who provided those difficulties for them? Do you get excited about praying every day and reading the Bible all the way through in a year, but then you lose zeal by the middle of January? Are you choked out? Are you burned out? Are you overwhelmed? Are you callous and angry? Are you unforgiving? Do you wish harm? to the people that you don't like, that look differently than you, that look differently than you, that think differently than you. See, I think Jesus told this story not because it was a call to evangelize. I think it was a call to accept and follow Him first. But sometimes, it's so much easier to be a grape without seeds. It's so much easier to say, well, it's really not me. I just want you to notice the difference between the groups of people that Jesus is talking about. Did, did you catch the difference between the seed that was scattered on the path 
and on the rocky soil and among the thorns versus that which is on the good soil? Did you notice that he didn't say, you know, there's a seed that's just getting by. They're making it. They're doing the bare minimum. They're just, they're, they, the seed has been planted and they're just, they're going to do what they can and they're just going to put their head down and they're going to make sure that their one little plant grows and that's really all they're concerned about. There's not that group. He doesn't put in there, well, for the people who well, are kind of, you know, following me. He says, look, there's the people who fall away for various reasons. They're scorched by the sun. They get really excited, but then they're choked out. He says, or there's the other group. 30, 60, 100 times. I don't know, but that really, that really hurts me. It really concerns me. Because I'm wondering, am I multiplying the love that has been given to me? Am I, am I sharing it with other people? Am I living a life that points to Jesus? I just, I'm not trying to shame you. I just think God wants to do really great things in our lives. He does not want your faith to be an afterthought or plan B or something you do because you have nothing else to do on Sundays. Don't follow Jesus because that's what your mom tells you to do. Okay, if you're younger, you have to do that. Kip, you have to do that. Okay, but at some point, you've got to grow in your own faith. And none of you should be here after the age of, I don't know, I'm not going to give you a number, but at some point, you've got to be here because you know what? I absolutely love the Lord and I love that He has called me to reach out to the broken people. To love the unlovable. To run to the hurting. And it's so much easier to sit around and judge and to hate and to criticize. But I think God is saying, look, I want you to bear fruit. I want your life to produce love like apples on a tree and joy like watermelons in a patch and peace patience kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control the fact is, we have been grafted. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And my prayer for you this morning, as you think about what your week is going to look like, I want to encourage you to be people who allow the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, to be evident in all that you do. 
and that we may glorify him on the day of the harvest. Please join me this morning as we stand and sing the song of invitation, and may you commit to serving Jesus this week. Vaughn.